setting up for the year, you can ask yourself a question like, you know, what would my life look and, and feel? This is the important part, the feel part in 10 years. And just let loose. Like there's no boundaries here. Like where, where do you want to be living? Who do you want to be associated with? What kind of work or what, like, what are you doing? And then the, the, the follow-up question to that, that's a little bit more granular is, you know, take money out of the equation and maybe like set the, maybe it's like you're, you're receiving a million dollars a month or something like that. And so it's like, what would you be like, what would your day look like if that was the case? I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you, you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Hello. Welcome. If you're listening to this, you're officially part of the Blessed for Success Express, and I'm so excited to have you on to have this thing take off. Um, All of you, you're strong, you're blessed, you can do anything, and you are blessed for success. Um, If there's anything from today's episode that does resonate with you, that does speak to you, uh, please go ahead and, you know, you can post about that on social media, on Instagram. Um, you can tag me at, at blessed for success PC. Um, and that way I'll be able to see, you know, what you liked. Um, and with that, let's just get into today's episode. Today's guest is a mental fitness advocate and is a huge fan of asking great questions. In 2016, he co-founded Kyo, a digital journaling app to help people protect and unlock their minds. This app was featured in more than 145 countries by Apple with over 80 million store impressions in the first year of launch. Now he is the host of the Behind the Human podcast, where he is unpacking the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Introducing Mark Champagne. Welcome, Mark, uh, to the Blessed for Success podcast. This is officially um, the first recording um, that I'm that I'm putting out. So, you know, I'm very excited about this show, everything that it means, everything that I hope it represents moving forward. And um, there's a lot of good things to talk about here. So Mark, thank you for, for joining the show and, and for being a part of this, uh, for being a part of this movement. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's a, it's an honor to, to help kick this off. We, we swim in the same circles of friends and, and people in the, in the community. So it's a, uh, it's a privilege. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I want to say this real quick, cause I'm, cause we're going to get into so many things. I've always loved your glasses. I'm sure oh, you get that, that compliment a lot, but but they're really cool and, and unique, and I love that about them. So that's nice. Thank you. No problem. And they're so, dinner cheap. They're from Dresden. <laughs> well, they they do they do the job well. Um, awesome. So you know, I want to start this off. It's it's a Monday morning right now. I want to start this off with some Monday morning gratitude, and this is the way that I'm going to be starting every single one of my shows, which is you know today at this time, what do you feel most blessed for? Oh, wow. What a, I mean, what a great uh, question. And it, th- thank you for asking it because it is, it is pretty early. And um, I only had the chance to do about half of kind of my morning routine, which part of it would have been some gratitude journaling. So uh, <laughs> thanks for, for fitting that part in. Um, 
you know, it, it might sound a little bit cliche, but like honestly, conversations like these, like the the last four years have been, you know, loaded full of amazing connections and relationships and conversations. And it, if I really reflect back, it, though, it, it's those relationships that have helped in hard times and good times and in all of these cases. So, you know, just, you know, connecting and, and feeling surrounded by like my tribe and, mm. and not, not in a transactional way. I think that's a big shift as well, mm. you know, from, from networking to, okay, well, how can like, I can get this, I can help them, but like really just being present for, for conversations and connections. So that really does um, fuel a huge sense of gratification. And I, I feel lucky to have that. Yeah. And I want to give snaps for that. Like it's been incredibly transformational for me personally in the past year, just to surround myself with like-minded people and to surround myself with people smarter than me. Um, many of which, you know, we have mutual friends in that area. So um, it's been really cool to, to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've had a very long journey to up to this point. Um, you do, you're, you're up to a lot of cool things. Um, and I want to get into each and every one of them, but I want to start with, and you, you know, and I love that you frame it as this, you you're a mental fitness expert. Um, and you know, I first want to understand what's the distinction for you between mental health and mental fitness? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And, and, expert scares me. I mean, I'd say that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a mental fitness advocate and uh, I'm super passionate about it. I mean, I'm learning every day. Um, but expert always terrifies me because it kind of, yeah. it almost makes me feel like there's nothing left to learn, which is, which is not the case. Um, the distinction in the, the way it came up was, you know, when we were first considering launching Keo, which was a uh, a digital journaling app at, at the very beginning of the, the whole journey that it turned into more of a company and brand. But the whole idea was that there's, there's so much stigma around mental health and, you know, even, even people that are the very open to talk about talking about it, there's just labels all over the place that whether we realize it or not, you know, we're, we're kind of placing them on, on that word and what that is. So quickly on, um, I started to realize that, if you started talking about mental fitness, there was a direct parallel to physical fitness that people understand. And, and, you know, when it comes to your mind and training up your mind and, you know, releasing stuff that no longer, no longer serves you. And, and again, just like thinking the, thinking of the parallel with your body, when you go to the gym or if you're training for, I don't know, run or something like there's just so many overlapping principles when it comes to your mind. And I feel like mental fitness is the umbrella that, that really picks up mental health, uh, mental performance, um, all of the different practices that fall under just fitness for your mind. So it's just, it was a good term and in conversation worked well to jump into a topic like let's talk about our mind and, and forget all the, the stigma and labels but let's just talk about how we can prioritize our mind something that's you know sitting on our shoulder you, depending on what study you're looking at but, but making something like you know 50 to eighty thousand decisions mm -hmm. uh, a day so wow. yeah it's wild i mean obviously the majority of those we we don't even realize but like there's a lot going on so how can we kind of reframe our own relationship with our own mind 
to think about it from a fitness standpoint and that, Hey, you know what? I, I want to do everything possible to prioritize this thing. That's making all these decisions and doing all these things, including, um, telling me to go to the gym or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it's always full stop. First, the mind, um, if that goes, it's really hard to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's how it came up. Wow. No. And that, and I think, so when I saw that, I was like, this is a very powerful way to put it and makes it easily digestible because, you know, I a hundred percent agree with you. Mental health has become such a stigma. Um, I was, I went, I went for a chat with one of my university professors, my, one of my ex university professors the other day. And they were saying just the amount of cases related to mental health is almost exponentially growing at universities. And, you know, it's, it's a shocking statistic. So to put it as a mental fitness, you know, you got to work on your day, like work on it just as diligently as you would your physical fitness, um, I think is, is powerful. So, you know, with that, tell us more about Kyo there, the, you've impacted millions of people through the Kyo app, um, through Kyo, Kyo conversations podcast. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, first of all, what is the journey for you personally that sparked, um, you know, this, this, this movement and, um, this idea of Kyo? Well, I mean, it all came up, um, not out of a, a master plan or anything, or like, cause you know, the, the other thing that there's a lot of talk around just wellness and practices these days with a lot of the meditation apps that are out and, and journaling and all of that. Um, and it wasn't one of those scenarios where like, Oh, we need to capitalize on this. It was more, I was, I remember I was first out of university. I started working in sales um, for a pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. of artists. And the, the moment was this, it was, you know, everyone's going to be trained up in the same way. Everyone's going through at that time. It was like a, a four week, like you go to Montreal type thing and, and you're, you're locked in a room and, and being trained up in either sales or science, depending on your, your degree. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how, like, if everyone's doing the same thing, how can you stand out to, you know, level up even a couple percent, for example. So, you know, I just, I started getting up a bit earlier, um, not at five or five 30, which is kind of the, my, my time now, but like just earlier than anyone else, at least in the immediate circle, because it was quiet at that time and just started at that time reading blogs and, and different material to kind of fuel my mind with, with the nutrition of like positivity and um, you know, the desire to be more curious and learn and whatnot. And and what started happening is actually someone local here. That's quite internationally renowned uh, Robin Sharma. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's, he, he's actually the person that tipped me off onto journaling because I I'd land on his content, his material. And and you can quickly see that journaling is, is something that's super powerful for his life and something he preaches quite a bit. So I started doing that and I just started writing, um, you know, kind of where my head was at. And um, I would take the, you know, different quotes and, and most importantly for me, at least the questions that people were asking themselves in this content, you know, going through their like reflective kind of journaling question, whether they're journaling on it or not, you know, you pick any podcast, any keynote, any book you're left with. If you look, you're left with really powerful life questions. Mm-hmm. So I would take them, I'd write them down uh, digitally because uh, I was traveling quite a bit. And then I would reflect on those, those prompts based on where I was at in my life. 
Mm-hmm. So I did that for, you know, five, I don't know, five to eight years, probably always kind of frustrated with the, the setup, you know, cause I would like copy and paste these, like copy them into, you know, maybe at that time I was saying it was word processors and then eventually some of the apps started coming out and it was, there was just never like a seamless way of linking up all this content that was out there and directly getting into like my reflective writing. And eventually that's, that's essentially what sparked the idea of, you know, clearly people are super interested or are open to um, guided practices through apps. Cause at that time, you know, this was like four years ago, like headspace and calm on the meditation front were really like, they've, they've been around for probably 10 years, but people were starting to really notice them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, well, c- clearly people are interested or at least open to this, but no one's really doing, you know, a similar approach or a practice where you're guiding people through journaling, but in our case with, with questions um, at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wrote up an email. I sent it off actually to my brother-in-law who was the closest link that I had to tech, um, which we both realized like that's, you know, we didn't have the tech background. I mean, he, he was doing, you know, IT and, and networks and stuff like that. But right. um, that was like the closest version of, of, of tech that we had in terms of our circle at that time. So this is, hey, here's, here are my pain points. You want to just try like building something. He had a designer on, on his uh, team because he had, he had an existing company. And we just started prototyping a concept of, of putting these questions together. Um, and then it just quickly grew or the realization came up quite, quite soon that, you know, wow, there's actually quite a few people that are doing a practice like this or others that you just wouldn't really, um, at first glance, think about, you know, and, and the first interview that I ever did, uh, it was a written interview, like the first 40 or 50 interviews I've done are all written actually. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. and it was, it was out of a cafe in Montreal. It was this, this, and it still runs uh, September surf. And I was working out of there, uh, essentially working on the app early mornings before going into my other job. Um, and the guy, Mitch, um, you know, on the, on the surface, you could see the cafe was full. It looked like it was thriving, but you know, he was, uh, a, a new business owner and struggling himself. And we, we would talk about this and he talked about how he was, you know, playing around with headspace at the time and stuff like that. I'm like, you'd never, you'd never think you, you would walk into there, into that cafe and be like, wow, this guy's killing it. Like there's, you know, it's full, like things are really bustling here. And in the meantime, he's doing well, but he's also trying to figure out just like most of us, like how to keep this business going and, and what right. the next step is. Right. So that's what kind of, that's what started the idea of, well, you know, as a company, we could, we could provide people with guiding prompts, but that's our perspective. And, you know, a question is super powerful or it's at its best, in my opinion, when it's left by someone you, you really respect and in the right context. So in this case, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, any, anyone that was starting a new business, especially if you're like running a, you know, small shop or a cafe or something like that, like, okay, I can resonate with that guy's story. And fast forward to, I think I'm at around, you know, 145 or 150 interviews, um, you know, whether they're designers, writers, developers, chefs, you know, everyone has a bit of a, a side to this. So, yeah, so it, it, it grew out of a, of a necessity first just to one of those scratch your own itch scenarios. It quickly moved into um, just, again, through the interviews and conversations. Wow, 
you know, practice like this actually can save lives. Yeah. Um, so our purpose shifted quite a bit to like, we have a bit of a social responsibility here to provide access to something like this. Um, and then it just, it just became this, a bit of a, an obsession. It still is for me to really just change the narrative around whether it's journaling, meditation, breath work, like there's so many things, um, change the narrative on what this stuff is and, and, and make it super accessible and digestible that people are just open to trying this stuff because um, it literally saves lives. And, you know, I mean, that's the extreme of things, but at the, at the very least, it can really level up your, your, your mind, your body, your experience, uh, all of it. I mean, it's luckily it's, it's how you started off this podcast. I mean, you yeah. can't be, you can't be grateful and upset at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, that's a, stole that from Tony Robbins. So. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a very famous quote. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who said it, but now I know. Um, yeah. And I've had that happen to me so many times where like, I just want to, journal this but journal journal digitally and it's there was never any good solutions for that it's funny you know we keep talking about headspace i just did a little 10 minute meditation on finding focus um yeah before i before i started this so i thought that that'd be a good way to um put that in there but you know you mentioned purpose and and this is very important the concept of purpose how people find it um you know what was your upbringing like? Because I find upbringing is very important when, when we're discussing purpose. What was your upbringing like and what sort of you know, challenges did you face during that time, um, whether it be mental health or you know, different things that drove you to find the purpose that you ultimately did? Because I feel you know, the steps throughout your life eventually build up to lead to that, that thing, to finding that ultimate purpose. Yeah, that's great. And it's, it's not something, I mean, I've, I've done a bit of reflection on this because I'm in, I'm actually in a men's group, uh, every man, which again, thankfully, because of, of Keo, um, tipped me off to this type of work. And so a lot of people are working obviously on like childhood type experiences and things like that. Mm-hmm. And in my case, like, I, I always have a hard time reflecting back on that because I don't have any, and I consider myself super fortunate for this, but I don't have any like deep trauma or like experiences that really stand out that say, yeah, you know, that really like shifted my path, for example, Mm -hmm. what I can say, and maybe, maybe this is the answer is that I, I just, I grew up in a very loving family that, you know, at its core and continues to be like this, just is just a thousand percent supportive in really anything that um, I've ever done and, and want to do. So there was like, I always felt like my parents had my back um, mm-hmm. in any case. So, I mean, that's, and, and that's what I'm trying to do with my, you know, with my three and a half year old um, is just be there, you know, and, and, and listen and be present um, and give that love. Cause I, I also grew up in a, like a super small town in, in Northern Ontario Um had no real access to like business or marketing or anything like that. Uh, I used to come to Toronto for a few summers and spend some time with, I uh, have, have an aunt and uncle actually in Burlington. Um, and, and, you know, that was kind of my exposure to just the business world. And, and that was a pivotal moment because it was, it's crazy to think about this now, but I remember coming, coming 
uh, down here and be like, I want one day I want to be like driving in that traffic, mm-hmm. you know, and going to those big buildings and like working and, and, and like and now we, you know, avoid that traffic yeah. as, pos- as much as possible. But it did set a bit of a course on, you know, I want to be in that scene um, to like learn and, and see what's going on. So it sparked some curiosity there. Um, but when it comes to the purpose stuff, you know, it's crazy because, you know, when I was, when I left my job in, in the pharmaceutical world, and, and that's an, let's be honest, like that's an industry that doesn't have the greatest rap for things. Um, but at the same time, like I saw enough good in the sense of, you know, just actually speaking with families and patients and where like lives were saved or changed. Um, so for me, like that kind of lit up a, a helping feeling and that I was doing, you know, some good work. It wasn't this manipulative stuff that we, you know, we hear a lot about in the news. So when, when I decided to leave to, to pursue Keo full time, it wasn't one of those scenarios where like I can't stand going into my job. It, like it actually, I had an amazing boss, had an awesome, awesome team. There were friends there. Like there, it was a, I would have never known, like I felt like I was doing the right work. Yeah. Um, but it isn't until now that I can really, like this is another level. Um, and I think, you know, there's been, tons of like any entrepreneur would describe like a ton of ups and downs going through this journey, but it's really knowing that this, that this is the right work. And this, this is my purpose to be out here and and doing everything possible to educate and, and again, you know, change the narrative around what these practices are and and provide access to people. Um, So I think the whole sense of purpose has, has just evolved as the journey has evolved and, it's continuing and I'm sure it'll, it'll continue to shift, but it's, I guess one thing I can say it's becoming because a lot of these practices are becoming clearer and clearer by the day. Hey there, just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. If you are enjoying what you hear, I would really appreciate it if you could head on over to iTunes for a quick minute, leave a five star review and tell us what you like about the show. We want this Plus for Success message to catch fire, and the only way that is possible is with your help and support. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get back to the show. You know, having that purpose is always something that I personally, you know, struggle with and and just try to figure out as I go, which I think is is the same for everyone. But, you know, you got to have a driving mission, a driving goal, kind of like a North Star that that can take you to the direction that, you know, lets you, for me personally, like impact a great deal amount of people, um, as well as just help me in finding myself at the same time, which I yeah. believe is the case for many of the listeners as well. Well, here's, I mean, here are a couple, a couple of prompts that can help with that because I think regardless of where you're at in your life, like you, people hear this all the time, but like, just, you know, keep trying things and, and exploring and experimenting, especially when you're young, like you've got less to lose, uh, and I'd argue it doesn't even like there's some, there's a podcast that I listened to, uh, the rich roll podcast, one of my favorites. And like he started his podcast, I think when he's 50 and you know, he's been doing it seven or eight years or something like that. And he's got a super successful, uh, business out of that. So like, it's never, it's never too late. Um, but some, some questions like two questions, especially right now we're recording kind of end of year, uh, depending on when this comes out, even if it's in the new year, like, um, setting up for the year, you can ask yourself a question like, you know, what would my life look and, and feel? This is the important part, the feel part in 10 years. And just 
let loose. Like there's no boundaries here. Like where, where do you want to be living? Who do you want to be associated with? What kind of work or what, like, what are you doing? And then the, the follow-up question to that, that's a little bit more granular is, you know, take money out of the equation and maybe like set the, maybe it's like you're, you're receiving a million dollars a month or something like that. And so it's like, what would you be like, what would your day look like if that was the case? Mm. And I guarantee there's, there are a couple elements in how you answer that question that maybe you're not doing right now that you can experiment with. And if you keep going down that path or going through that process as, as your life evolves, you'll eventually land on, on the thing that really lights you up. Right. Um, and, but it's hard to, it's hard to find it. Like some people find that right away or like in my case, like I just didn't, I didn't have the self-awareness that that wasn't what was going on. I mean, it felt like things were good. Um, and I'd even argue right now, it's probably the hardest time in my life given like, you know, starting a company, shutting the company down, like all this change, but the most driven and, you know, mentally fit I've ever been as well. I mean, I'm a bit biased given the work that I'm involved with, but you know, I feel the most motivated and the most clear than I, than I've ever have in my life. Wow. That's awesome. And let's, let's expand on that a bit more. So the starting or yeah, yeah the starting of the new business, the shutting down of one, um, why don't we get into what are we talking about here? Why did it happen? And then yeah. what's next? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so we started Keo about four years ago, three and a half years ago, I think now it started as a digital journaling app, um, linked with a podcast, which was Keo conversations. And, and the goal was always to create a mental fitness, <clears throat> excuse me, company. So, you know, in the ecosystem, those were, were the first kind of offerings. Um, fortunately, like you mentioned, we, we reached a lot of people at the, at the very end. Um, you know, thanks to a lot of Apple features, we, at the, I think it was, yeah, because it was just under two years, the app was actually on the market. We had reached about 87 million people um, wow. through, That's I want to say like 150 country features by Apple. Now, again, like th- that wasn't our, those weren't our downloads in our, our direct community. Those were like eyeballs on the app, thanks to apps of the day or new apps we love, things like that. Um, and out of that, we still had, you know, I think around 200,000 people as a, like a community. So mm-hmm. our benchmark was zero. Like we had zero experience in this. So one would have been great type thing. And remember like the, the, the main reason at first was to create it actually selfishly for myself, right? Yeah. It's something I was doing. So we feel like super grateful and blessed to have reached so many people and in, in the podcast as well. Um, and the only reason I mentioned those numbers, it, it's not to say, hey, we've reached all these people. It's to say, even with numbers like that, that sound wildly high, the, the app was not financially successful. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important people talk about this stuff, right? Because we, we typically only hear of the companies that either raise a huge round of funding or exit or merge or something like that, right? Yeah. But like the, the, the statistic, like the 90 plus percent of companies um, fall under the fact that either just completely doesn't work or, you know, you know, I'd say in our case, like a lot worked, like we reached a lot of people, the branding, the strategy, the content, the partnerships, all that stuff worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but going right back to the very beginning, you know, we lack some of the technical expertise, you know, we never had the in-house development, um, which was challenging because then our strategy felt like it was always way 
ahead of where, what we could produce. Um, and essentially we built more of a media company than a tech company uh, with business models based in, you know, a tech kind of subscription based app. So who knows, like there's, there's definitely a lot of things we probably would have changed along the way um, to, to try to mitigate the, the risk that, that we, we face. But at the end of the day, the, the decision was a, you know, can we keep going financially like this? And that was a bit questionable on a personal side of things. And secondly was, you know, if, can we partner up with other teams around the world in, in terms of what we've already created and developed from a content perspective? And if they want the code even, even better, but uh, I'm, I'm learning that, you know, developers typically want to rewrite this stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, we could pro the, the reason I'm sharing that is that we could probably reach and help more people down going that path versus sticking to kind of our guns and, and continuing to iterate the product and get it to the point where it's uh, financially successful. Mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, that was a super challenging decision um, because then it left, you know, my co-founder, he continued on and, his, and my brother-in-law continued in his existing business that he had already started off. The rest of the team were linked to that company as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the contractors were fine because we just, we, we didn't renew. But for me, it was like, I don't want to go back to the pharmaceutical world um, just as I've kind of like my values have changed and evolved. Um, so what do I do? Right. And, and this is where, like where I'm at right now and, and why you mentioned like they're the behind the humans and rebranded the pod, podcast. Cause it, I mean, the name didn't really make sense anymore. Yeah. Um, and just the, the ironic thing is just leveraging the, the power of the practices that all of those guests have left and everything we've learned building the app is actually what's been able to provide like the clarity for me to continue down this path of, of working with other teams and, and helping others just in this space, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, I guess like in terms of like a tipping point, like what kind of clicked in your head to move on to this new project um, from Kyo? Like the transition, you know, was kind of quick in that, in that regard. So what caused, what kind of like, what light bulb went off to be like, Hey, you know, I can move on from this and still start something new and and build it back up. Yeah. I mean, so it seems quick on the, on the outside, but I mean, in reality um, it was probably six months or so of really contemplating the, I guess the viability or the the long-term success of, of what we had built and whether that was possible or not. So, you know, we were, we were having those discussions quite, uh, quite in advance of from when everyone saw the message, let's say to our, to our users. Um, and one of the tipping points too, is that we did for the first time, we did some really great um, user research and like live interviews and stuff like that. Um, and, and got real good clarity or perspective on like how people are using the app and, and why and things like that. So we had a very clear uh, update or roadmap for, for the future versions of, of Keo. And, and that's when it was like, uh, you know, let's not be naive. This is not going to happen in the next like three months. This is, this is probably 12 more months plus of many iterations before we get to a point where we feel, you know, when people come in, like those, those, those flows for the app are, are really dialed in. Mm-hmm. So, so we're just being realistic with ourselves. Um, and once that decision was made, then it was, I mean, you know, I'm human too. Like I, I, 
I took on some contracts and worked with some some other teams around the world, and it just wasn't the right fit. But it, you know, it, I thought, hey, let's let's try it out. And what I'm realizing now, again, kind of practicing what I'm preaching or what I'm being taught, mm-hmm. um, is just to slow down a bit and not force um, the next steps, right? And right. and prioritizing again my mind to be as clear as possible, so I can see those next steps and see the opportunities that are there because they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but often, and, and I, you know, fall into this camp as well, but like, if you think of your mind as a physical room, it's often in, you know, jammed floor to ceiling with boxes and you, you know, can't see the windows, can't see the path. But as soon as you start removing some of the, that clutter and in that mental clutter, and that could be relationships that can be um, just all of the things going on being super reactionary to content and social media, all these things like there's, it's not one thing it's just slowly kind of releasing and clearing your mind so that there's a path there mm-hmm. and you can go down it. Not saying that's not going to shift around, but like you can at least see farther, you know, far enough in front of your feet to, to continue forward and trust that, um, and trust that path. Right. Right. And there's, there's a lot there in terms of, you know, again, trusting, trusting that path is, is not the easiest thing to do. Like, yeah. And there's, there's so many different ways that you could think about that. And you're not really sure, you know, what direction to trust or which way to go. Um, If for someone that is just starting out, you know, trying to better their mental fitness, um, their mental health, you know, they're really trying to, to better that part of themselves. But this meditation thing just seems like a bunch of, you know, bunch of mojo jojo or whatnot it just seems like like it's not necessarily the right fit for them how do you recommend them starting on their mental fitness journey where do you where do you recommend they start and how can they slowly build themselves up um, to a point you know where it becomes a regular part of the routine and and that it can benefit them i think the easiest way is one just approaching the whole the whole thing with a no expectations and b removing any type of definitions or labels on any of these practices. Um, so to basically what I'm trying to get at is, is come into this with an open frame of, of mind. Um, and then the next step, the easiest thing so that it's not a scenario where we're saying, Hey, get up at five, spend an hour doing this, meditate, like do that. Like that just doesn't, eventually you might get to something like that if that works for you and your routine, but forcing that on someone just doesn't work. Just like, you know, forcing them to go to the gym at a time that doesn't make sense, doesn't work. Right. So the easiest way to start this stuff is just take five minutes at one point and take a pen, a piece of paper and write down five to 10 things that, you know, without certainty make you feel great so that, you know, because this is going to happen. I mean, we're, we're again, all human. When you are stressed the next time or something is bothering you, you can stop. You can acknowledge that there's something going on and then just refer to that list, whether you physically look at it or mentally, you've already put it out there and go do one of those things. And so, you know, there may not be journaling, there may not be meditation, breath work, or any of that stuff. I might be just like, yeah, when I take a walk, I feel good. If I go to the gym or if I 
just read a book or listen to a podcast, like whatever it is, go do that thing. Because the, the, the training in the mind that's happening there is it's twofold is one, you're training your mind to acknowledge when things are off. Mm -hmm. So then as that, as that continues to happen, you start noticing that more and more. And, and that's key. Cause if you, if you, if you can't tell that you feel rocked or that there's stress coming or something's bothering you, then you, you're stuck in the autopilot essentially. And then it just keeps going and going. Mm -hmm. um, so by doing something like that, you automatically start training like, okay, yeah, this, this is bothering me. I need to pull back. And then, and then you're giving yourself a, a bit of time to just slow down for a second and try something right. Mm -hmm. And any of those things, and then you're just shifting you're shifting your mind because essentially like our, we operate in, in two states of mind at, at all times. We're either in a primal slash kind of survival state, which are emotions like fear, um, you know, anxiety, stress, uh, basically just to save our, our, our life. You know, we're in situations like that. Um, or we're in a power state, which is motivation We're you know, we're lit up, we're excited, we're ready to go, like all of those types of things. Right. Um, and when you're in that state, like that's where actually the, the ideas come from. That's when we're doing our best work. It's really hard to create really good work when you're in a survival state. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are in that survival state most of the day because we're in like a reactionary mode from all the content coming to us and, and whatnot. Right. And we feel overwhelmed and all of that. So, you know, the thing these practices, what, what they do is a recognize when you're in that state of mind and B shift you out of it. Just like we, you know, we talked about with the whole gratitude thing immediately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're going to go into it. I mean, I'm, I for sure will go into it probably today at one point, but mm -hmm. recognize it and shift out of it as fast as possible. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that the session, the session, the headspace session that I was taking was called finding focus because yeah. like, and the, the point that they talked about today was, you know, it's not about necessarily focusing on something for an hour. It's more so about finding those small moments of focus, like those small incremental moments throughout the day where you just need to, you know, put your mind to something. And then whether that's, you know, for focusing on a project or work or whatnot, or just taking time to focus on, you know, things that, for example, make you feel grateful that can help you get out of the stressful situations or, you know, those stressful yeah. thoughts and things of that nature. Well, what I love about things like Headspace and, and all the apps that are out there, it's like, it, it was a 10 minute thing. It left you with a message. It left you with a bit of peace of mind. Uh, no, at no point did you mention, yeah, I sat down and like completely eliminated thoughts, which is, a, you know, a lot of perception, your perception that people have of what meditation is. It's, you know, and that does happen, but it's, it's just, just micro moments of reflection that are so powerful and like we need the constant reminders and these constant little learnings to be like oh yeah yeah it's that's and for me podcasts do that you know depending on, on my mood i'll listen to a different podcast it's like there's nothing new in those in, in the podcast i mean they're different stories or different perspectives but the underlying um like teachings are mm -hmm. all the same but it, the thing is we go out into the regular world and again we're, we're hit with all these stressors almost 24 hours a day. So like we need those, those, we need the counterbalance there. Mm -hmm. Right. So kind of the, the more the merrier in that, in that scenario. Yeah. That's no, I agree completely. And we, we covered a lot of great stuff today and 
you know, I think this is going to make me think a lot more just about my practices and what I can put in place, what kind of those prompts are probably something that I'm going to listen to afterwards and start writing them out and see, you know, what makes sense. I encourage all my listeners to do the same thing. Um, before we go, I wanted to ask you one, one more question that I'm ending all of my, all of my shows with, um, which is right now today, you know, we started with what you're grateful for. What does success mean to you today? Uh, today, I mean, it's, I think for me, success, and, and this has shifted over, over the years, which I'm, I'm proud of, um, but it's really just waking up and going through the day at, at, at a level of happy that I can sustain and that, that is there and that's present the majority of the day versus uh, just a, a fragment or just only there if you're going on a vacation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so success for me is really that and living honestly living as much as possible in the present moment. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. That's, that's perfect. And, and beautiful way to cap off um, this entire conversation. Mark, where can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Um, you know, what are the best platforms to do that? I think, I mean, behind the human.com uh, is up uh, just li- links to a personal website. Um, and then behind the human on Instagram is probably where I'm most active with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. If you, if you find me with my name, um, super accessible, I'm happy to help anyone if, if they have any questions on the, on these practices. So um, yeah. So thank, I mean, again, really super honored to be a part of your kickoff. It, it was a great show, really great questions. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing uh, the other guests. So, you know, enjoy it. You know, you only, you only have this, you only have this conversation and like kicking off a new show once. So yeah. enjoy the journey of it. Absolutely. You know, I will, and i um, going to do my best to, to really drive this thing home and, and, you know, hopefully share messages like these with, with tons and tons of people. So I'm very excited about it. Um, thanks for being a part of it. And, uh, thanks for being on the show today. You got it. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, Mark.